1: Hello and welcome to this week's business and technology podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. I'm joined in studio by Colum Keane, Barry O'Halloran, and Laura Slattery of the Irish Times to discuss the biggest stories of this week's business. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Colum. Uh, there's this
2: seemingly endless saga of Sean Quinn has uh, it's it's taken another big twist this week yes it has it's a fascinating one really um the chance that a, a good a chunk of the former Quinn group will now come back on the what what the people involved call uh, local management so um a number of local uh, business people seem to have uh, uh, managed to get the event the new owners to uh, uh, agree to look at uh, selling a large chunk of the uh, of the businesses to uh, a new entity that would be headed by the former chief executive of the Green Group, um, Liam McCaffrey. and um, so it's quite uh, an astonishing development because if you if you think back on it. When the uh, share receiver was appointed, there were bondholders owed by about 1.3 billion euros. So it's enormous amounts of money involved. They've parked 800 million of that, but we're hopeful of getting another 500 million um, um, back from the business. So uh, this proposal now... That this local local proposal uh, would be uh, aimed at everything, pretty much everything, apart from the Quinn glass and it would get about a quarter of the turnover of the group, but about uh, three quarters of the employees uh, back on the local ownership.
1: And what's your your read column of you know like this that there seems to be certainly a view up there that you know that, that the business should be in local hands versus you know you know private equity or versus in investment funds
2: yeah well it's it's uh it's fascinating because of that strong view and that loyalty and uh that sort of um you know resentment of what happened and so presumably that created a huge difficulty for eventus the new owners to run it for the bondholders and will affect the attitude of the bondholders towards the asset and affect the ability of the bondholders to sell the assets so um it's probably reduced the price that that's being paid it probably is an added incentive for the current owners to sell assets if they can get a reasonable price for it but uh, as we said there you know they're hoping to get hundreds of millions back from this um how much they'll get um from these uh former Quinn executives backed by an english uh an english uh, financial backer Uh, is uh, well we we don't know as yet but it's reported to be something in the region of 90 million for these units but what's really fascinating is the 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 english entity endless will hope to get its money back out within three to five years so then you would have the quinn this part of the quinn group back in the control of uh, sean quinn's former lieutenants and uh you know and uh, so back in local control and presumably once they own it they can do whatever they like with it then you know, if they want to bring the Quinn family back in, I presume there's nothing to stop them.
1: And would that surprise you, Barry O'Halloran? If within you know a five-year time period, or within a, even a three-year time period, if we if we saw, you know, the Quinn group back uh, with members of the Quinn on Quins on the board, uh, I mean, they're, they're, the, the new owners Endless or the new potential owners Endless and QBRC are saying they're going to keep the Quinn brand going in these two divisions. I mean, it does seem like that 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 is the possibility.
3: Yeah, it all seems a bit. Like too much of a coincidence that, that, is, as column rightly phrased it, Quinn's lieutenants are, are, are back in the mix and, and now appear to be in pole position to take control of the business. And certainly it wouldn't surprise me if over time you saw members of the Quinn family being drafted back into various roles because of their... Expertise, shall we say, and ultimately, um, a venture capital fund whose whose only interest really is is to invest in something and get a return on it in a in a in in a relatively short time frame. But ultimately, a venture capital fund being bought out by possibly the members of the Quinn family. So no, I, I think it's um I think it's highly likely actually. And the column, uh, as Barry said, there you mm. know he says that the the, the local
1: uh, former Quinn executives and 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 business people you know they're in pole position i mean one of the reasons they're in pole position i mean is it anything to do with the number of attacks that there's been against the group i mean these people uh, say that they that they think that this will calm the situation down and that they think that the they can bring uh, you know some order
2: to the area yeah well it, it does seem like there's a lot of positives for it these people know the business intimately they built it up they have probably the loyalty to the workforce the current owners might have difficulty with with the workforce in terms of divided loyalties. It brings the asset price down, as we've said already, because other potential owners might shy, be be going to shy away from it. Um, so there's a lot of uh, the, the bondholders who are owed this enormous amount of money, like we say, one one point three billion. Um, they um, you know they don't want to be involved in this business. They just want their money, and how much money they'll get, I suppose, is the only issue they're worried about and uh, so there's a lot of, there's a lot in favour of it it's just an odd sort of thing I mean it, the state is not going to get any money out of this it would seem um, for that 800 million that's been parked for the bondholders maybe they, they could do some deal they might get some of that back down the line I'm sure they'd be interested in it the timing is good because there's a, a lot of views now that the Irish economy is uh, uh, facing into a period of sustained growth so they, if they can get it at a good price presumably there'd be a market for a lot of the products and you know, so it's it's a fascinating thing. You know, um, the there's a lot of problems with for the Quinn family, obviously, in terms of cases they're taking and cases been taken against them, and so on. And if if they end up with um, monstrous debts or whatever hanging over them, it'd be very difficult for them to get involved in this in a kind of an equity way. But. Uh, it certainly, I'm sure, a lot of people will think it's if this deal goes ahead, it's essentially back in the Quinn family, in the, in the broader sense of the term, you know.
1: And uh, Barry, you know, we don't know who's behind these attacks or what the, or it's not even clear exactly what their motivation is. But uh, if things do calm down and it ends up back in local control, maybe at a price which is lower than I might get uh, in a in a in a different market. I mean, does that mean that you know, intimidatory tactics work?
3: Um it, 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 it certainly makes it look like they do. And I mean, you know, I'm not trying to tie anybody into those, those attacks because, like you say, you know, we, we don't know uh, who is behind them. And they've taken place all over the country. I mean, they've, they've, they've hit Quinn-associated assets uh, as far away as Cork, which is at, effectively at the other end of the country from the, the, the nerve centre of the Quinn operation, if you like. So we don't, know, we don't really know who's behind them. But uh,
2: the outcome of this certainly does make it look like intimidatory tactics work. Um, yeah because certain of? because there was a proposals from Lagging cement to buy some of this yeah. business and so some of it was going to leave and and that didn't happen because of the intimidation it's, 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 so there's no, no doubt about that them, you know yeah. um and the 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 attack seemed to increase when there was there was a chance to sell away sell off some of it some of the business and this is sell, this is breaking up the group if you want this proposal breaks up the group because it leaves glass outside and and but obviously the people involved see it as a step along the road of getting the whole group back as a unit under under local control.
1: Well, those sale talks are due to take place for the next two months at least and possibly for a little bit longer than that. So we're going to have to wait and see, does the former Quinn executives and local business people, do they get re-control of these assets? Uh, just looking at one of the other big stories of the week, Barry, uh, which relates to Borden and gone, uh, there was a, a report out over 70 pages long by a, an economic consultancy called Indicon. And uh, it's pretty damning stuff, would it be fair to say?
3: Yeah, it is. I, essentially, Bordenagon has seen its, its revenues fall by more than half, around 55%, I think the figure is, uh, to 28 million a year. At the same time, it's got 21 million in debt. Um, the consultants have raised questions over integrity issues they're saying that the the number of of positive dope tests on on dogs uh is too high and they are suggesting that um the board sell one of its um two dublin tracks harold's cross to help get it back on the financial straight and narrow as it were and um, that would leave I, I mean i i'm assuming that that if if that were to go on the market Um, that it wouldn't be used as a dog track, it would be used for something else, a possibly residential building, which we all know is now um, under something of a squeeze in Dublin. So that would leave Dublin with, with just one as opposed to two Greyhound tracks. Barry, one of the things
1: that the the report highlights is how its its revenues have gone down by fifty five percent since two thousand and six to twenty eight point two million. Uh, the 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 Indicon reports is there is a lot of gaps on the board. You know, they're saying that, that there was gaps in terms of legals, that there was some gaps in terms of until recently there was a gap in terms of having a veterinarian on the board, and there's a gap in terms of
3: marketing. I mean, do you think that's something that really needs to be addressed? It does. It does look like it, but I'm I'm a little bit surprised because. Um, uh, until quite recently, Bordenagon did have, you know, fairly visible marketing campaigns. Uh, and the other thing was that um, in the, the sort of in the last decade, or certainly in the early years of the last decade, between sort of the in the early two thousands, uh, Bordenagon suddenly sort of um, came back from the brink and was seen to have um, kind of done far better and and and, and out-muscled its its far more glamorous cousin, horse racing, and, uh, and staged quite a dramatic recovery. But I suppose now that I think of it, that their their marketing has certainly been less visible of late than it has been. But I think that is possibly more to do with the fact that um, I think it's more to do with the fact that they are facing some kind of financial facing financial troubles now at the moment, rather necessarily than 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 the result of any gap in expertise that I would have that, that I would have thought they had.
1: One of the things they highlight in the report is just that the decision into April two thousand and nine to invest twenty three million in a, a new facility in Limerick. Uh, do you know? Do you, do you think like do we get any sense that like you know that there is too many greyhound tracks? I mean, they're saying that they're going to close Shelburne. Do you think that it's possible that they that they'll have to do other things like reduce price money or or, or look at
3: closing other less performing well, tracks? Well, I hope they don't close Shelburne. It's around the corner for me, Tom. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, it, I, I, I don't, I've never gotten the sense that there are too many um, that there are too many greyhound tracks uh, around the country. But po- quite possibly, if Indicon says there are, then th- that is entirely likely. Most substantial centres of population appear to have have you know have a greyhound track. It's a popular sport in this country still. Um, there's no denying that. I think what I think the big problem really does seem to be the fact that they've overreached themselves quite considerably, Limerick, and. That, I think, is is the root of a lot of of what's happening. If it does actually require them to sell one or two non-viable or, or sort of borderline viable properties, then, you know, so be it.
1: And, uh, Barry, this report, I mean, it was commissioned uh, last year, so it's taken a number of months to prepare. I mean, Borden and Gone seems to be pretty... Active in terms of making changes uh, recently. I mean, can you outline some of the key ones?
3: Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, the, 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 in April they they hired Geraldine Larkin as um, uh, as chief executive, who replaced Adrian Nealon, who was the kind of key driver behind a, a lot, of, say, decisions such as Limerick. Um, they've also taken on, I think, a fairly notable appointment. Actually, they've taken on. Um, a solicitor called Hillary Ford, who's a, an Irish woman, but who previously worked uh, in the regulatory department of the British Horse Racing Authority, and was behind a number of high-profile um, uh, prosecutions and uh, and and uh, um, a, a number of. High profile cases that the British Horse Racing Authority, when it was looking at its sport over there, she's got quite a lot of expertise in this area and um, she's only she's only been hired quite recently. So it it, it does strike me that that this is something that they've been looking at um, for quite some time and feel very keenly that they want to they want to tackle and want to be seen to be tackling. And Colin Pina, do you have a view on the whole thing? I mean, do you think that this is a,
1: an industry which is 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 sustainable and that can be turned around?
2: No, I don't. I don't have a view on it. I've never been to a to a dog race, but it does strike me that two thousand and nine is a funny uh, a funny year to be overstretching yourself. I mean, they should have been applying the brakes in two thousand and nine, not, uh, not 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 putting not heading into new investments i I think that
3: was suggested at the time Mm. or or shortly afterwards and i think their argument was actually it was a good time because prices were coming down Mm. and they bought the old limerick race course and i think they would have said look had we bought it several you know have we bought it a few years earlier then we would have paid a lot more for it but i think perhaps the question the question that really needs to be asked is did you actually need a new course in limerick and if so, did you need it at that site? And did you? And, and again, did you actually need to spend twenty-three million on it when possibly ten or fifteen million might have done?
1: Well, I think it was certainly a, a bullish decision to, to decide in April two thousand and nine, four months after Anglo Irish Bank was nationalised, uh, to go ahead with a, a major capital investment. Uh, moving on, uh, Laura Slattery, uh, Netflix has, has has some big news out this week.
4: Well, I'm not sure if it was big news, but it was certainly uh, travelled a lot. Um, They put out a press release on Monday saying that they were looking for a tagger. That's somebody who will watch all of their TV shows and films in their library and assign different categories to them. So, like, when you log on to your Netflix, you'll see, you know, your own personalised recommendations, but you'll also see, you know, films uh, broken down into categories like, you know, dark films, romantic films, you know, 20th century period pieces or maybe even dark romantic 20th century period pieces. So they need somebody, they need a human sort of element to that to sort of work alongside the sort of, you know, special top secret algorithms that they say they have. And um, so it's a bit of fun. They were advertising this as as a kind of a dream job offer. It's open to anyone in the UK and Ireland with uh, some background in the film and TV industry.
1: And do we have any sense as you know how, how well this dream job is going to pay
4: um, they actually don 't specify um, a, a wage rate and i don 't know how much they pay overall as a, as a company, but this is actually it 's kind of an odd thing. The job spec says it 's based in in London this job, but it also offers flexible hours working from home so um, so there 's a bit of a, a bit of a discrepancy there so um, I imagine they say they want somebody with You know, either experience in the industry or a degree or somebody perhaps maybe who's worked as a TV critic or somebody with a highly uh, analytical mind who's able to deconstruct, you know, every single thing that they watch uh, without going insane along the way, of course, because there's a lot of Adam Sandler movies on Netflix and you've really got to be careful.
1: And uh, Colin Keeney, you, you know, you've never been on in a, in a dog track, uh, mm. but uh, would you be a fan of Netflix? Yeah. Uh, is this jo- I, I would was, this
2: be your dream job? No, it, but my my idea of like you know Dante's Inferno, deep into it or whatever. But uh, but uh, the um, this tagging business, I know I, I do watch movies on Netflix and notice the way they're increasingly ask me to do a bit of work for them. You know, recommend it to other people and give it ratings and all this sort of business. But <laughs> I, I was at a, a, a briefing about stock market there recently, a fellow from America, and he was taking issue with what Alan Greenspan would say is, there un, is this, uh, there's an insufficient level of investment by business. In business in America, and uh, and this is one of the reasons the economy is in trouble. But this fellow was an economist was taking issue with them and said, you know, remember chart busters and all these guys and all the staff they had to take on and the shops they had to buy and all the all the the the, the infrastructure they had to put in place to sell their, their to rent their videos, and now you've got Netflix. And, you know, everybody just clicks on it and he says there's no investment, you know, a tiny amount of investment needed relative to what used to be the case. And uh, he used to use Netflix as an argument that there was plenty of investment in the American uh, economy and that Greenspan was wrong. I mean, <laughs> one
4: difference between Netflix and the likes of Chartbusters, of course, is, you I mean, you could say that they're both basically platforms for entertainment, but Netflix was actually making its own entertainment as well. Um, you know they've they've poured money into their sort of original dramas which you know then that's that's one of those things that you'll have to sit through every single episode of, of uh, House of Cards or Orange is the New Black and maybe that's sort of the exciting uh, end of the Netflix uh, catalogue because there sure is plenty of uh, rubbish on there as well
2: Yeah there are very bad movies on it I must say
1: And uh, Barry O'Halloran uh, I know you already have your dream job uh, but if you had to choose between going to work for Sean Quinn and his former employees or going to work uh, on a dog track or or indeed uh, sitting at home and watching TV all day and tagging things uh, which would you which would you choose yeah, as, as a here. young month?
3: But- I think Adam Sandler is 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 a money on shot to win that one. I, if someone was going to pay me to watch Adam Sandler movies and and House of Cards, I'd quite happily take the money and run.
4: I should say that the job also involves rating uh, things like how much sex is in a film uh, on a, on a sort of a one to five basis. So you'd have to watch every film so and say that's there a one, should be that's more, a five. Or <laughs> or, Yeah, well, yeah, um, yeah. I think not enough is probably the answer to most uh, most films, but maybe that's just me.
1: Anyway, uh, <laughs> on that point, we, we, we'll have to leave this week's podcast. Uh, Colm uh Barry O'Halloran and Laura Slattery, thanks for coming on the programme. And that's it for this week's Business and Technology Podcast. I'm Tom Lyons. My producer was Sinead O'Shea and my sound engineer was James Davis.